0: Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So what I'd like to do today is get started on what I said I would do a while ago, and we have pretty much just enough time to get through it. And that is I want to do sort of a post-free agency but pre-draft look at our opponents. Because as I've said before, it's not just a matter of how good is your team on a scale of 1 to 10, because that actually doesn't matter all that much what matters is winning the Super Bowl and if you want to win the Super Bowl you got to get into the playoffs and the way you do that is beat your specific opponents I mean this isn't baseball or basketball where you got just 70,000 games and you know in, in that realm it's more a matter of you know I guess how good you are football's a little bit different I mean just from top to bottom it's it just doesn't seem to be about good Even the word itself doesn't make much sense because who's good week one compared to who's good week five compared to who's good week 10, week 16, who's good in the postseason, who's good in the Super Bowl. I mean, it's all, they're all different questions. So getting a little bit more specific is not only going to help us kind of understand where we stand as a team going into 2019 and our odds, because you start seeing things. I I just saw an article yesterday, which kind of prompted me. Packers are expected to win eight games. It's like, well, all right. Obviously, you can't look at that based on how good the team is. I'm assuming they looked at that based on how good the team is compared to the other teams we're going up against. Now, we've done this once before, and if you want to see what my pre-draft you know, draft look or pre-free agency look at this was, uh, the podcasts do exist. So feel free to go check that out. But yeah, it'll be good to kind of take a look at the landscape, um, not just for our chances of being good this year, but also as a way to look at, you know, maybe a little bit more specifically at the draft, specifically within the NFC North, because this isn't just the team we're playing in 2019, but 2020, 2020 you know, basically forever. Because I think sometimes we kind of forget that aspect of it. Even, even, if, even if it might not be the most important piece of the draft, whereas the draft is more looking introspectively, I think we do have to look at specific challenges. Being in the NFC North is different than being in the NFC West. The Bears and the Vikings and the Lions are different than other teams in the NFL, and we got to face this team, these teams over and over again, and they have certain characteristics, certain players, and it would kind of make sense, again, because we're not just fighting within a vacuum. We're not just going into a room and being graded based on attributes and how good at football you are, and then somebody awards the best team the trophy. You have to go up against specific teams with specific characteristics and specific traits and if we're able to beat the Bears, the Vikings, and the Lions, we win six games a year. Well, we only play 16 in the regular season. That's, a, that's kind of a big deal. So anyways, that's kind of where my head is at with this and uh, why I want to spend as much time on this as I'm going to. Again, the plan is to go through all these teams. At that point, we'll be kind of at the draft. I think if I, what is it, 12? 12, 12 teams we've got to go through. So that'll get us to the 22nd-ish. And obviously I'll interject with any kind of stuff that's going on because there's going to be news and notes that happen in between, but this is just sort of the general plan we're going to head toward. But it's also why I want to do the NFC North first, just because if things start getting crazy and I want to abandon this, I don't want to talk about the Panthers, but never talk about the Vikings. That seems counterproductive. Make sense? All right. Real quick, once again, make sure you get yourself into the Facebook group. Packernet Pod is the name of the Facebook group, or just, I mean, that's the name of the link, group slash Packernet Pod. Packernet Pod, you'll find it. NFLBigBoard.com, once again, head over there. Um, I don't, I, yeah, it's updated. So, uh, and again, for anybody that's new, NFLBigBoard.com is my site. And essentially what it is, is a um, aggregation of big boards from around the NFL. So you get a less biased version and you kind of see across the spectrum where guys are actually being graded, which I see as valuable because it's something that I wanted. Because a lot of places you can kind of see, you know, I mean, if, if you put a lot of spot, stock, for for example, in the draft network, and I do like the draft network a lot, the fact of the matter is there's somewhat of a groupthink over there, even though if you listen to their podcast, they have some disagreements. It's, it's disagreements within a larger assumed agreement. Whereas maybe other places, you know, Bleacher Report, Matt Miller, or whatever, There's wide disparities, much wider disparities within the understanding of where people would rank. So go to NFLBigBoard.com. You kind of get a more averaged out or literally an averaged out um, view of where everybody's at. And there's about 500 prospects with a bunch of links and resources that you can use. It's going to be a good resource to have on draft day, by the way. Otherwise, iTunes, still sitting at 131 uh, reviews. Once again, I'd like to get this to 150. If we get it to 150, I will do a live stream of the draft. I'm going to put that up in the, well, I think you have to stream to a Facebook page, and then I'll share the page to different groups. I'd also like to uh, send that to YouTube, but I, I don't know. i got to look at my different options. Certain things cost money. Some cost more money than others. I just have to kind of find a balance between what I would actually like to do and the understanding that probably 12 people are going to be watching, so it's not that big of a deal anyways. I don't know what it is with live streams, man. People don't do live streams. Everybody wants live streams, but nobody watches them. I don't watch them either. Every time I see there's a live stream on YouTube or Facebook, it's like, ooh, that's cool. And then it's like, I'll, I'll, just, I'll watch this later, man. I can't do this right now. My YouTube videos get usually between 5,000 and 20,000 views. And if I do a live stream, I'll, I'll probably have like 15 people watching. It's the weirdest thing ever. But anyways, that's the plan. Uh, if we don't get to 150, I may do a live stream, but it's going to be contingent on a lot of bribery. So we'll see how it goes. Otherwise, if you have any questions, comments, whatever, 608-501-0718, 608 501 Going to take a quick break, and then we'll uh, come on back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So we'll start with the least important of all the bits of information. According to Over the Cap, the Chicago Bears have about $17.5 million dollars. Which, as I said for the Packers, 17 $18 million is about right where you'd like to be, in my estimation, going into the season, just based on draft, or signing your draft picks and um, paying your practice squad and then the amount of money that you typically like to have over. However, the Chicago Bears have basically zero draft picks, so they've got a little bit of wiggle room if they decided to do a little bit more, but I also think at this point in the season there aren't that many high impact guys that are out there there's maybe a few like austin safarian jenkins who is now a patriot obviously but there are a few you know they can go out and get jay ajayi if they wanted to they do need a running back but for the most part this isn't that big of a deal unless i'm just completely missing somebody i think they're pretty well set and um well they're they're far from set but i think they're about as set as they're going to be up until the draft at which point they're going to add pretty close to nobody and then uh, we'll see what happens Which is kind of a benefit because the Bears, maybe more than any team, we kind of know exactly what we're going up against. They're going to have a new running back. That's a guarantee. I would be stunned if their first pick in the third round or whatever it is isn't a running back. Yeah, third round pick 88. And I got to say, as much as I feel like I could be content that the Bears didn't have very much money to make very many moves, and they didn't make very many moves, and the moves they did make are... Very Ted Thompson-esque, right? They lost their slot corner. They replaced him with Buster Screen, which is just a massive downgrade and hilarious. They don't have any draft picks. I should be content, but I just can't get over this feeling that the best... <laughs> my, my favorite thing that we could probably do in this draft would be to somehow, someway get the Houston Texans pick 87, whether that's a trade down in the third, a trade with the Texans at some point to get their third, I just want to get pick 87, one pick before the Bears, and draft and draft a running back. <laughs> oh, that would be just the best thing ever. I, I mean, yeah, we have other needs. Again, it would be nice to, to make a trade some way, somehow, so that we're not losing our pick 76. We can, we can draft somebody important with pick 76. I just want to get the Texans pick 87 just for the sake of trolling the Bears. I mean, we could draft them and trade them for all I care. I just want to take a running back off the board for the Bears. Now, it might be a moot point if, you know, there's seven running backs that are all awesome. But let's just say, for example, there's two running backs in this class that are awesome. Josh Jacobs goes in the second, and David Montgomery somehow falls to 87. And we trade up, let's say, from the fourth to pick 87 and pick up David Montgomery. I don't know, man. I am so, I would probably just have to turn off the stream because that's just, that's it. That's all I need to know perfect draft have a good day thanks for the pizza that oh I want it so bad you know, people ask all the time like hey man who, who what do you think is the best thing this the best thing ever that could happen in this draft is to take a running back at 87 I feel like maybe that makes me a bad person but I you know it's fine though because it would be awesome and I think that's how that works anyways let's take a little bit of a recap here First of all, looking at their departures, obviously they lost Adrian Amos. And, you know, this is coming from somebody who has said that Packer fans are way too hard on haha ha Clinton Dix. And I also would have cautioned and will continue to caution Packers fans to relax a little bit on the trashing of haha ha Clinton Dix because we all know he can be a good safety. For whatever reason, he decided not to be a good safety for a while. There's no reason to believe he can't be a good safety again. He got drafted by a team that's a very good defense, that has better corners, and a really good pass rusher, which is going to help the secondary. He's also got the best safety he's ever played with, playing right next to him, who also just happens to be an Alabama safety, just like he was. There's reason to believe that he's going to get better. With that said, pending Adrian Amos getting worse and HaHa Clinton Dix going back to his Pro Bowl season, this is a downgrade. Um, If you look at the wide receiver position, which I just, I don't understand what they're doing at wide receiver. They massively overpaid Allen Robinson, who is definitely their number one wide receiver. But I mean, it's just, I mean, he, he he was, he's graded as the 28th best wide receiver, which is cool, but he's getting paid like a top 10 wide receiver, which is silly. He had a good year in 2017. That's fine. But he's just, he, he's overpaid. Then they went out and paid Taylor Gabriel, who's never really been very good. I stand corrected. He was, he was good in 2016, but 2016 is surrounded by a bunch of just bleh years. 2018, he gets paid, goes to the Bears, and just has another meh kind of year. So those are the two big, big guys that they're paying. They're paying money as though they want really good wide receivers. They're just not finding wide receivers that are all that talented, and they're wasting money. But then they ship off Josh Bellamy, who, granted, is not all that great. He's a, he's a jet now. They ship off Kevin White, who, you know, physically is impressive, but never really did much. He went to the Arizona Cardinals. Then they signed Cordero Patterson, which, again, and it's not like they're paying that much money. It's, it's what is it, $4 million this year? It's a two-year deal. Next year, he's making 5.7. But again, it's just one of those things where it's, you know, maybe it's kind of like a name or possibly somebody Matt Nagy looks at and says, this is kind of the type of player that I want. And I'll acknowledge if everything goes right, same with everybody else, Allen Robinson, Taylor Gabriel, whatever, you, you, you kind of have your prototypes. right? Robinson is sort of your Devontae Adams. Taylor Gabriel is sort of your outside speed guy, You know, your Marquez or whatever. Anthony Miller is your slot guy, and now you went out and got your gadget guy, kind of a slot slash running back, Ty Montgomery-ish type of wide receiver, right? He can go outside, he can go inside, he can go tailback. They fit all the prototypes, but every time they do something at wide receiver, I just look at it and go, okay, I mean, that that doesn't scare me at all. I don't know why you're paying for that. But they did that, and then they also signed Marvin Hall from the Atlanta Falcons, so they've got a second Atlanta Falcons wide receiver. Marvin Hall is not very good. So basically, the, the wide receivers, they went out and paid money again for wide receivers, Allen Robinson, believe it or not, is the highest paid player on this entire team at fifteen million dollars. Taylor Gabriel's sitting at six point five, and again, Cordero's at four point two. So they did things, but it's just kind of a it's a nothing thing. Right? And this is kind of what I'm talking about when I'm saying that every team has an expectation that they're getting better, but not a lot of teams have made the kind of improvements that the Packers have up to this point. Looking at Haha Clinton Dix, if even if you want to look at Haha as being better or as good as Amos, that still doesn't change the fact that the Packers safety group got a lot better going from Kentrell Bryce, essentially, to Adrian Amos, whereas the Bears went from Adrian Amos to HaHa Clinton Dix. Again, even if HaHa's better, the Packers got better at safety than the Bears. Does that make sense? Say HaHa's an 8 and Amos is a 7. Okay, well, we went from a 4 to a 7. They went from a 7 to an 8. Again, I'm not saying that's the actual case. I'm just demonstrating how, even in that case, the Packers ended up getting better. Is Cordero Patterson a better option for the uh, Chicago Bears than Josh Bellamy? Yeah. I think Cordero Patterson is better, especially when you look at um, uh, Matt Nagy and his kind of scheme. He can probably... But I I don't know. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt that they're able to use him in in creative kind of ways. Although, you know... At some point, creative is just throwing to guys behind the line of scrimmage and making them, having them make plays, which is pretty much what the Bears have done recently. Right? Even their speed guy wasn't really used downfield because it's just not going to do any good. It was mostly plays behind the line of scrimmage, go make plays. So you got another guy that does the same thing. Maybe the biggest uh, move, not in a positive way, but I mentioned it already. Bryce Callahan going to the Denver Broncos, reunited with Vic Fangio. Vic Fangio obviously realizes what he had, in Callahan, very, very good cornerback, very good slot cornerback, and they essentially replaced him with Buster Screen. Now, I'm not going to get overly excited about this quite yet, because I want to know what's up with Sherrick McManus. Sherrick only played 282 snaps, so maybe it was a fluke, but he actually graded out higher than Kyle Fuller and Prince of Mukamura. So, it's kind of, I, I guess it would be similar to our situation with Ibrahim Campbell. Limited sample size, but dude was real good in that limited sample size. Now he's at 200, nearly 300 snaps, whereas Ibrahim had like 100 and something. But still, i you know, I'm not going to start doing a happy dance yet because Buster Screen is their slot corner because I don't know that he is. They also have several other guys, Jonathan Mincy, John Franklin, Kevin um, Toliver, Richard Fant, Michael Joseph, Marcus Williams. I don't know if any of these guys are really all that great. But we we don't really know how this is going to shape up yet. Plus, uh, the Bears also have had some pre-draft visits, and a lot of them are corner. And now you've got some guys in Chicago media saying, I don't know, man, maybe they're kind of looking at corner, which could be more of a future investment when you look at um, Prince of Mukamura getting older and whatnot. Maybe financially they're looking at corner for the future. But still, that doesn't mean that they're not going to end up getting better at corner this year because they're looking to next year, if that makes sense. But there's at least a potential that this is going to be awesome. And, and, and I want to end with this, so I don't want to get to it now, but as far as how to attack the Bears defense, that becomes a very big weak point, which at this particular point in time, as Packer fans, we know that's not exactly a strength of ours to be able to exploit their weakness, at least not yet. Again, part of what I want to do here is, is turn to the draft and say, based on what we now know, where should we go? Kind of gives you an idea that might be their one big weakness, and that's an area where if we improve there a lot, if we get a really good—I'll just say—if we get a really good slot corner or a slot receiver, that could be a really big benefit against uh, the Chicago Bears. Um, Another really big thing—they have been pushing running backs out a lot. I I don't really understand it. I thought they had some decent running backs. I, I know Matt Nagy wasn't a big fan of how he wants versatility, and he didn't have versatility. He's got a uh, running back, and he's got a receiving back, and he doesn't want that. So Jordan Howard was the running back who he tried as hard as he could. I talked about it several times prior to the season. He put him on the jugs machine, catching balls over and over and over, and said, you are going to start catching the football. He never really got much better at it. He's just a, a pure running back, and they said, all right, goodbye. Which, again, I think is a little crazy because Jordan Howard was a decent running back. But I think it almost just kind of goes to show how much the NFL doesn't really respect running backs because they look at a pure runner and say we can get a pure runner anywhere. We can get a guy that finds a hole and runs through a hole in the draft in wherever. And essentially, that's what they did. They went out and replaced him with Mike Davis. Mike Davis is a better running back than a receiver, but he's a better receiver than um, than Jordan Howard. So as of right now, they have Mike Davis. Mike Davis is going to be the primary back, and I think the, the Mike Davis signing was similar to what the Packers are doing with their signings in that you fill dire needs so that you don't have to, you know, for example, take a running back in the third. If they don't, you know, a lot of people would be shocked, but I think that's part of the reason you do that. We can survive with Mike Davis. It's kind of like the Packers running back room where you know you got to get a running back, but it doesn't have to be first, second, third round pick. And I think this, this draft is so stacked with mid-round talent, you know, you, you can kind of get your flavor at some point or another, and it's just a matter of, of what level of talent they're going to be when they get to the NFL. right? There's guys that can run and catch that are going to be around in the fourth round, fifth round, whatever. Are they going to be better than Mike Davis and Tariq Cohen? I don't know, but they'll be on the roster, and uh, they'll be a part of this team. And clearly this doesn't seem to be as much as uh, Nagy you know, obviously is going to want running backs. I think it's a different kind of feel in Chicago, you know, and I, I don't pretend to know the Andy Reid, Matt Nagy offense very well, but just based on the moves they've made, they're investing a lot in wide receiver, and they have a certain style of running back they like, but they're just not investing a lot in running back. I mean, they, they didn't do anything in the offseason to make sure they secure one, they got rid of their running back, so it's just a matter of, we just want a running back that can do this certain thing or these certain things, but You know, we don't really need an elite running back. That's the impression I'm getting. Something else to consider when we look at Chicago Bears versus Green Bay Packers, Nagy seems to be leaning a lot more on the pass than on the run, which most teams are. But you look at what the Packers are doing and saying, obviously it's a pass-first league, it's going to be a pass-first team, but everything is centered on the run and, and executing that properly and making sure we have the right offensive linemen, making sure we have the right running backs that can actually execute is very, very important. And you're not going to see him just shipping off running backs like, yeah, whatever, we don't really need him. By the way, let's just pay a bunch of money for decent enough. I mean, they're overpaying for wide receivers. Just goes to show the amount of value they put in the position, as opposed to whatever kind of change they threw at Mike Davis to get him to fly to Chicago. Otherwise, the only real addition that I'm aware of is uh, offensive guard Ted Larson. I don't think I'm... uh, speaking out of turn here saying they do need some help at guard and i just don't know if ted larson is the answer now james daniels could potentially be getting better he's a young guy um i think he was drafted two years ago but didn't play his rookie year and maybe i'm maybe i'm incorrect about that either way he's only played one year and i do believe his first year he was injured so he's going into his second year he was a second round draft pick real talented guy another one of the guys that i've been saying i mean literally i i I can't think of anybody that was like a late first, early second round pick in the last three years that has panned out. They've all busted. It's just, it just terrifies me, the thought of taking an offensive lineman at the end of the first or early second, an offensive guard like Chris Lindstrom, because literally every single one that I can find is just not good at all. Anyways, James Daniels is in that mix. He did not do very well. Kyle Long is on the downswing of his career. Um, they The Bears are trying to keep him. He's been decent over time, but he's been on a downward swing since 2015. Um, and this past year was definitely his worst year. He didn't play a full season. He was injured, but still, um, just wasn't very good. So the interior, they needed a little help. They, I mean, it, it feels like a very Ted Thompson thing, man. It's, it's one of those things where it's like, well, we need somebody and we get somebody just for the sake of getting somebody. There's no reason anybody should ever pick up Ted Larson. Ted Larson is terrible. He's always been terrible. Since 2010, the guy's been... T- he had one year that wasn't terrible in his entire career. This is the most Ted Thompson move ever. It's like, wh- why? What? Why? Why? Is it just like an arrogance? Like, well, they didn't know how to use him over all these years. We know how to... We'll figure out a way to get this 90-year-old man who's never been a good football player to be a good football player. It's just... Come on, man. But overall, looking at the team... um. The only real, genuine difference on the offense that we know for sure at this point is that they lost their running back. Cordero Patterson is number four. Their their slot guy is Anthony Miller. I don't think they're going to get away from that. The way that they're paying Gabriel and Robinson, that is their number one and two. Their offensive line is still going to be Leno, Daniels, Whitehair, Long, and Massey. Um, they've, They've got Adam Shaheen and Trey Burton. I know Bears fans and the Bears are real high on Shaheen. We'll have to see what happens, but th- this is—I'm—I'm I'm just not scared of this offense. This entire team and the Bears' entire season, which everybody's—I, you know—I guess it's to be expected. I shouldn't be all that upset about it. I am a little bit because the Packers are on the the negative end of this, whereas usually the Packers are just assumed to be great when they probably shouldn't be. Now they're assumed to be bad, and it drives me nuts. And the who was somebody just recently said that the Packers are the third oh no even worse they have the third best quarterback in the NFC North not even they're the third worst best team it was it was it was somebody like Peter King or something just crazy I don't know man offseason is when people just go nuts but the bottom line is this entire team hinges on their defense being able to do and continue without Vic Fangio Vic Fangio built this thing I've been saying for for two years now that Vic Fangio is special if you look at how these guys have done incrementally better over the years. And now especially, again, you know, I know there's some new listeners. The other thing that I've been saying is a lot of these guys are overextended. A lot of these guys not only had their best years, they had unreasonably high good years to the point where you just can't expect that to happen again. And now again, you, you don't have Vic Fangio, you don't have the majority of that defensive staff You've got Chuck Pagano coming out of retirement, coming back, and he's going to try to to take over, and I just, there's no way. If Prince of Mukamura is able to do what he did again, I will be stunned. Prince of Mukamura has never had a good year, according to Pro Football Focus, until he came to the Bears. First good year ever was in 2017. In 2018, he goes from good to very good. How? He's not a very good football player. Because the defense is stacked. But it's not just, there's a lot of teams that have good football players. I mean, the, the, the Broncos have Von Miller. That doesn't mean every single cornerback on that team is going to be awesome. I don't really care that they have Khalil Mack. And we've talked about, you know, I know Goldman and Hicks are good football players too, but if you look at their pass rush percentage, it's not actually that high. So it's not as though they've got great pass rushers everywhere. They have one good pass rusher. They've got Goldman and Hicks that are very good football players, that are very dominant football players. But a lot of that has to do with their run ability. So again, the, the notion that, well, they've j- just got such great pass rushers. And yeah, they, they rushed four and they were able to rush with four because there's so much attention to Mack and Hicks and Goldman can get the job done. And the rest of these guys, you know, F- Floyd and whoever can get home on occasion. But that doesn't automatically make Prince Amukamura, who's an average cornerback, become a very good cornerback in the NFL. Kyle Fuller, I mean, he's a first-round pick. He was terrible in his rookie year. He, was, he just got incrementally better every single year. Now, that's maybe just a general standard progression for a young corner, especially a guy that was early first round. But it's not hard to believe that he peaked. And not only is Vic Fangio gone, so is their defensive back coach. They've got a brand new defensive backs coach. If you look at Akeem Hicks, it's the exact same situation. Listen, the guy was average for three years. He was good for three years. The next year in 2018, he's elite. Again, I'm not trying to take away from Akeem Hicks, but it just it doesn't make sense to make that big of a leap. And if I had to... I mean, it's just regression to the mean is all I'm talking about. If these guys play like they generally play in 2019... A lot of these guys are going to regress. Amukamura is going to regress. Akeem Hicks is going to regress. Kyle Fuller. Eh. You know, Eddie Jackson. How good really is Eddie Jackson? Adrian Amos was one of the best safeties in the NFL two years ago, and then he regressed. We also remember Haha Clinton Dix being very good, and then he regressed. Eddie Jackson jumped from being an average safety in 2017 to being the number one safety in the NFL in 2018. Again, I don't know how replicable that is, and I know we all live in the moment, and it's like, oh, Eddie Jackson, because we just want to say what's true in the moment. So everybody in national media is going to say Eddie Jackson is the best, best safety in the NFL, but I don't know how many of them would actually put money on the fact that he's going to be again. Not that he's going to be bad, but again, we're, we, I think we saw the best version of the Bears last year. We will not see that version again. I'd be stunned. The only real improvement, I would assume, on this defense, on top of a lot of people regressing, would be Roquan Smith, who if he doesn't improve over last year, that was a terrible, terrible pick. I know it takes three years, but man, you would hope to get instant impact from a guy, which the Bears never see. It. Kevin White never panned out. Kyle Fuller was terrible in his first year. These guys just, it takes them a while, apparently. I mean, Eddie Jackson wasn't great in his first year, and then boom. So I would assume Roquan Smith is going to get better in his second year. Also, as I said, it's possible Ha Ha Clinton Dix does get a little bit better. Um, he wasn't bad. I know this is going to make a lot of people upset, but as far as his grade, 2018, he was graded higher than he's ever been graded. Again, a lot of that has to do with his coverage ability. Everybody wants to pick on him because he missed tackles and he took plays off. I get that. Maybe that's a little bit of a flaw in their system. You know, if he's not in the area, he's not there to make a mistake and get graded negatively, whereas maybe they should look at it and say, well, he probably should have been in the area. And And, you know, again, looking at the offense, what are the expectations? Do I expect Allen Robinson to get better? Not necessarily. Can he? Yeah. And this is a different conversation because we're talking about Nagy and his diff- and his system as opposed to Vic Fangio. There wasn't the Vic Fangio effect on all. At least, well, we don't know because Nagy was his first year last year. We'll see if they continue to get better every year like Fangio did. But that, that was a very, I, I literally have never seen that in my life where every single player on that defense got incrementally better every single year with the exception, I think, of one pass rusher who I don't think is even on the team anymore. Everybody got better every year. That just does not happen. But it's a different question on offense. But as I said about the Packers, there's a a reasonable expectation that the team is going to get better, number one, because they have a second-year defensive coordinator. But also, if you look at their defense compared to our defense, who's going to get better on their defense? Well, who are the, the guys that are youthful that you expect to step? Roquan, that's about it. It's pretty much just Roquan, right? Eddie Jackson's not going to get better than he was last year. That's almost nearly impossible. Khalil Mack is elite, but he's how much better is he going to get than darn near perfect? Look at the Packers, though. Outside of the free agent acquisition that we got that automatically makes us better, you know, our top two corners. Well, I shouldn't say that. Our top corner and Josh Jackson, who has the potential to be a number two corner, are going into their second year. There is reasonable expectation for them to grow. Oren Burks almost has to get better. But anyways, the Bears don't exactly have that. Looking at their offense, very similar. Robinson, could he get better? Possibly, but I don't expect it. Gabriel, I have no expectation of him getting better. Nobody with the exception of James Daniels at guard do I expect to get any better on the offensive line. I mean, the right side is pretty old. Long seems to be in a bit of a regression. Massey, I mean, he had a decent year for him last year but regression of the mean and also getting older and, and falling off a little bit, I, I would expect him to regress, if anything. Uh, the, the only ones that you could expect to get better would be Anthony Miller and possibly Mitch Trubisky. Uh, Mitch Trubisky actually regressed from 2017 to 2018. Maybe it was the change in scheme. I don't really know what the problem with him was, but there's still a possibility in his second year with Nagy, a full off season to kind of prepare and to study and to learn. Uh, another year to get used to the new wide—I mean, he, listen, new system, three new wide receivers. There's a lot to adjust to there. So I'm—I'm I'm still holding off hope. But as I've said before, if if he goes three years without having a good season, I'm going to be relatively confident that this was a bust pick. I mean, it's already not great considering who they they traded up to get what the worst first-round quarterback of the bunch, Mister GM of the century or whatever dumb ridiculous award he won last year. And then again at running back. I don't think they got better. So this is the defense, I th- or this is the, the Bears. I think their defense is going to regress a little bit. There's there's still going to be a very good defense. But it, remember what I said last year. This was a team that we've never seen a defense like this since maybe Legion of Boom Seahawks. I mean, it's, it's been like 2015, 2014-ish since there's been a defense that was as dominant as the Bears were last year. So when I say they regress, I'm not saying they're bad. The problem for the Bears, though, number one, is that they're relying on a defense to win, which is fine when you get into the playoffs, typically, but throughout the regular season, if you don't have an offense, it's just not going to work, man. A defense can only drag you so far. I mean, very rarely is a defense so good that it's just dragging you. I mean, when the Broncos won the Super Bowl, that was a defense that was so good, it was dragging the team to the point where there were literally times where the defense outscored the offense, but that is an extremely rare thing. In order for the Bears to be anything at all, they have to get their offense going, and there just isn't any logical reason to really expect a massive growth. They're not going to, I, 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 i don't see how they aren't the fourth best offense in the end. They could be the best team overall, but do you really think that this offense is better than the Lions? The Lions have better wide receivers. The Lions have a better running back. The Lions have a better quarterback. The Lions maybe have a better tight end now that they got Jesse James from— uh, Pittsburgh. I mean, I, I guess I can give the tight end to the Bears. The Lions arguably have a better offensive line. I mean, the, the Vikings have a better quarterback. The Vikings have much better wide receivers, maybe the best wide receiver group in the NFC North. The Vikings, I would say, probably have a better running back group than the Bears. I, I just, I mean, they, they don't have a good offensive line, that's for sure. But the Vikings offense is better than the Bears. And then the Packers, the Packers have Devontae Adams, better than anybody that the Bears have. Even if our wide receivers aren't that great outside of uh, Devontae Adams and we don't draft a wide receiver, we still have similarly talented wide receivers because their other wide receivers aren't very good on top of their number one wide receiver not being as good as our number one. Their quarterback is nowhere near as good as Aaron Rodgers. Their running back group isn't as good as our running back group. And as far as offensive line, I mean, our left tackle is better than their left tackle. Our center is better than their center. Our right tackle is... About the same, maybe probably a little bit better than Massey is. I mean, if if we don't upgrade our offensive line, I would say we're at least a step or two ahead of where the Bears' offensive line is. We've got maybe bigger deficiencies at guard, depending on, uh, you know what Billy Turner is able to bring and and what we do in the draft. But I just again I don't see how this isn't the fourth, where, easily the best defense. But I, I I don't have any real hesitation in saying this is the worst offense in the NFC North. With that said, again, the national media happily crowning the Bears as far and away the best team in the NFC North is a little silly to me. How in 2019 do you look at the worst offense, easily the worst quarter, one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL, and say, yep, this is definitely going to be the best team in the NFC North? That shouldn't be the way that you view this. So I, I listen, I don't have any idea what's going on with the NFC North. There isn't a single team that you could tell me would win the NFC North and I'd be all that surprised, including the Lions. I don't expect them to win, but they've helped their defense quite a bit. They do have a dangerous offense. It's just a matter of can they kind of put this thing together, which is sort of their biggest problem. They've always had talent in different places. They're just a hot mess over in Detroit all the time. The Bears have a dominant defense with a potential of a good offense. The Vikings have a potential of a very dominant defense again, if they can get back to 2017 kind of defense. They've got a very scary offense. They could easily win the NFC North, and the Packers could too. Aaron Rodgers, if Aaron Rodgers could be Aaron Rodgers again, and Devonte and the wide receivers, and it, it really is just a matter of can the defense kind of click. Anything's possible in the NFC North. I'm happy saying the Bears are currently the number one in the NFC North, just because I tend to defer to last year because I don't really have any you know definitive reason to change that. They earned that right, so I will afford them that right. But to just assume is silly. The NFC North is crazy. As I've said, the the if if you it's almost reverse order if you look at the best teams from top to bottom and then look at the teams that have grown or have the most potential to grow from top to bottom, it's almost completely inverse. The the Lions and Packers who were the two worst teams last year have absolutely grown the most. The Vikings and Bears, who were the best last year, have done basically nothing to improve their teams this year. So I just, I just see it as a flat-out brawl in the NFC North next year, or this year. But anyways, looking to the draft now, I, I think I know the Bears are going to want to add, add a, a running back. It's possible that... It's always possible that they get a stud, especially with a running back. You just never know the fact that we're playing in week 1 doesn't scare me all that much and, and the fact that they're i mean their offense is the biggest thing and how much is their offense especially again in week 1 really going to take the top off i'm i'm just trying to think of the worst case scenario in the draft that's really going to scare me i you know if they can get a a slot corner a, a, another pass rusher i think would actually be pretty beneficial and if there's somebody that is just a true pass rusher, a, a third down pass rusher that, that they can get maybe in the third round, that might be the best bang for their buck because Leonard Floyd for whatever he's good for, he's not a good pass rusher and just getting even even if again in the third round the the super well rounded you can play the run and the pass and cover and do all this stuff at the same time, those guys are gone but you can get solid attributes and getting a high percentage pass rusher guy, you know a guy that can get to the quarterback 10, 11, 12 percent of the time. That could be scary because we're so focused on Mac. A corner doesn't scare me all that much, but again, if they get a slot corner, depending on Sherrick McManus, if he's already a stud, then we're already doomed in that regard anyways. But I think really hitting on a running back could be the biggest thing that hurts, and uh, possibly another wide receiver, as much as that seems silly, or, or a tight end for that matter, as much as it seems kind of silly that they would add in either regard because I think they like those two positions. I think the potential that they get a little bit more of a high-impact person. If, if, if for some reason Jace Sternberger falls to him in the third and they decide to take him there, I, I would expect we would take him in the third if he falls that far. But if we don't and he makes it to the Bears, that could be a guy that, that has a an impact on their team and can hurt us a little bit more. As far as the flip side, though, looking at what the Packers can do, obviously, again, we can add a ton to be able to take on this team. So, you know, obviously the one thing that stands out would be slot-wide receiver if we get an AJ Brown or something he's going up against Buster Screen i mean that that could just be absolutely lethal the other thing would be a tight end so so similar to what i've said work in the middle of this this defense i know they got Roquan but that's kind of the point even if Roquan takes a step and I, i'm very happy for him that he's very fast but that's not exactly the point you get a big dominant uh tight end and pair it with a guy like Aaron Rodgers it really is just a matter of if the ball's in the right spot and you got a good enough tight end that can run a clean enough route that he gets a half a step of separation. All Rodgers has to do is put the ball out in front of him. What's Roquan going to do? These tight ends have super long arms. They just extend their arms out in front of him with Roquan trailing behind. It's just, it's not going to matter. He might be there to make the tackle, but it's going to be a completion. Now, I would lean heavier toward slot receiver because I just tend to think it might take us some time to develop a that kind of chemistry with a tight end, whereas a slot receiver taking on a not super great slot corner is just domination station. It's just a matter of, I'm better than you. And as long as they can be a cerebral guy, in other words, they can pick up the offense, be in the right spot so that Rodgers doesn't have to worry about that. I expect you to be here. I expect you to be open. And he is. At that point, it's just feasting time. And he ends up becoming the possession guy. Whereas Devontae's just dominating on the outside which which you know and, and the, the fact of the matter is davante going to win because he's just he's just dominant but kyle fuller is a tough matchup and trying to beat him is not always going to be easy especially if you've got a safety shading over to that side so the ability to have a guy that can just feast on the inside and be a, a 10 11 catch guy who's just going to help move the sticks on the inside is just a massive massive value and again, what, what I'm talking about is targeting specifically the Bears. And this is going to be the case for, for most teams. But specific, specifically for the Bears, for a team that has, you know, I again, I don't know what's going to go on with Prince of Mukamura. If he's able to be as good as he was last year, then, you know, that's going to be a tough matchup to win. But in the slot, it's just going to be a really dominant aspect, a way to really attack them. Um, as for defense, as far as a sort of defensive look at defense... I think a linebacker would be the biggest thing. Because again, the thing that they like to do is to pick away at you underneath. Which means we're going to need some speed. We're going to need some guys that take good angles and are good at tackling. I don't really have a super big problem with Blake Martinez. Uh, although he apparently gained 15 pounds of muscle, which is not going to make him faster. By the way, I expect him to get a random drug test letter in the mail. Because, I mean, let's call it what it is. Physically impossible. Five pounds a month. Either, the, either he's lying the Packers doctors are lying to them. The Packers doctors don't know how to do body mass tests or, um, I don't know, maybe I'll just keep my mouth shut, but, I mean, give me a, since December? So January, February, March, and now we're in April, and you packed on 15 pounds of muscle? I'm sorry, not a thing. I tend to think even on steroids, that's not an easy thing to do, but, you know, what do I know? Anyways, maybe he's just a really dense guy. You know, he's got big bones, so he's got a lot of a lot of surface area to put muscle on. I, I don't know. Make up whatever excuses you like. But anyways, yes, a linebacker would be beneficial for the Bears. I think for a lot of other teams, getting another safety is going to be important, but I would almost want to dare. Listen, we need to get a safety, but I would love the opportunity to dare the Bears to throw the ball deep. In other words, this is single high territory. If we get a guy like Taylor Rapp, let's just say, not like I'm hoping for him or anything like that, I'm going to bring Taylor Rapp down low, Amos is going to stay up high, and I'm going to say, go ahead and test Amos. Now, if it doesn't work out, we'll just put Taylor Rapp back up top. If they start actually taking chunks, that kind of stinks, but again, I'm going to dare you, and I'm going to get my Devin Bush and Blake Martinez and Taylor Rapp are going to be roaming kind of along the middle with Alexander and King and, and... you know, Smith and Smith and all these guys are just kind of up front. So you can try to beat us up front or you can take a chance and go deep. And with the increased pressure that hopefully we're bringing, that's going to be tough to do, which kind of brings me to number three. If, if I'm going to pick three things, actually, this would be four, wouldn't it? No. What did I say? Linebacker and uh, slot corner, right? Slot safety. Oh my goodness. Slot wide receiver, slot receiver. I need to go home. I am home. I need to go home. I need a vacation from my from my not working. The number three would probably be an interior pass rusher. So what is the best way to go about this? I, I feel like if you were to go in order, you would probably have to take a linebacker first just because to get a high-impact guy, you're not going to be able to get it at 30. I And I don't know that definitively. Maybe you can get a guy like uh, Tavon Coney, and he pans out. and he's. I mean, Blake Martinez is a fourth-round guy. He's not that bad. We can find a guy in the second round, but if we're going to find, especially again, week one, if you want a guy that's going to be high impact, you're probably going to need a guy with a lot of natural ability because it's not going to be a cerebral thing for him at that point. So maybe you get your Devin Bush. Um, I think the next guy you're going to want to get is maybe that interior pass rusher because they start to fall off when you get to 44. I don't know how many are left. Maybe a guy like Jerry Tillery uh, is another guy that I really like. Uh, definitely more of a pass rusher than anything else. He actually always, as, as I've said when I watch him, he kind of reminds me of Kenny Clark. Uh, I don't know how good against the run he's going to be, but I think with Clark and Daniels being there and Smith and Smith who are both big guys up front to be able to get them plus artillery to be able to bring another bit of pressure I mean that could just be just absolutely lethal maybe a Draymond Jones I don't know maybe the other way to maybe do this would be to take your slot guy now if AJ let's say AJ Brown is there you take AJ Brown at 30 you get a guy like Draymond at 44 who's able to shoot the gaps and let's not forget Zadarius is going to be playing inside on occasion as well. So you might have Preston and Fackrell on the outside, Zadarius, so Clark, and Daniels on the inside. But those are going to be the biggest things, I think, in my mind to be able to really attack the Bears. Get your, your slot receiver, get yourself a linebacker to be able to just take away the, the short yardage stuff, and then maybe get a, a a half a step more as far as pass rush. Because, you know, as, as as solid as some of these guys are, I don't know how dominant of a pass rusher we have. I think Mike Daniels... Actually, might be the best true pass rusher. I think he he was at like 13%. Zayarius and Preston are at like 12. Kenny Clark is I think 11 or 12. So I don't know. Anyways, I gotta I gotta get going. So that that's about it. I, I I like the Packers' chances against the Bears. I the Bears don't have a lot that they can improve. Um, I do expect them to move backwards a little bit. And um, you know, Week One is always just a crapshoot. You you nobody knows what's gonna happen. The winner of that game doesn't really tell us anything. Obviously, you want to win for the sake of morale, for the, for the sake of the fact that you only play 16 games and a loss has a lot of, you know, it means a lot, but th- there's going to be a lot of things as far as, you know, last year, Matt Nagy was his first year. He pulled out a bunch of tricks as though it was the Super Bowl. Um, it's just about winning in week one, however way you can, but I, I think for the long term and, and, you know, the second time that we end up playing the Bears, whenever that might be, It'll be good to have those guys in place to have a little bit of of time under their belt to be able to develop and um, to be able to attack the Bears. And I I, I just think if, if we can hit, and that's going to be the biggest thing. Drafting guys is nice, but I'm talking about actually hitting on these guys. If we can get a linebacker, they got a linebacker last year. He didn't do anything. If we can get a linebacker that actually comes in and is our number one guy ahead of Martinez, as in week one, which would be shocking. I don't even care if we get Devin White, Devin Bush, whoever. I'd be surprised if they were ahead of Martinez in week one. But if we can get that and a slot receiver that's high impact out of the gate and a guy that can at least get a little bit more pressure on the interior out of the gate, that's going to be important. Now, even if it's not week one, year one. If in the second game we can get that, that would be huge. So, anyways, i got to get going. I will talk to you guys tomorrow. We'll talk about one of the other teams. I don't know, Vikings, Lions, or something. it be one of them. But well, you folks have a good day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye.